Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to On the Sporting Couch, a programme about good mental health in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, a psychotherapist and counsellor, and that means I work one-to-one with all sorts of people who are having or have had emotional problems. It doesn't mean they're ill, it's sometimes called a talking therapy. and gives an opportunity for people to discuss their feelings in an open and unjudged way. Meet Leon McKenzie, who's excelled not only at football, but also boxing. His football career as a recognised goalscorer took him from Crystal Palace as a teenager to Fulham, Peterborough, Norwich, Coventry and Charlton, amongst others. Then on to a super middleweight career as a boxer for four years. But for all his success, there have been some dark days and he's battled with depression, anxiety, prison sentence and even made an attempt on his own life. He's now a mental health advocate. So, Leon McKenzie, there seems to be four strings to your bow. Professional boxing coach, personal trainer, motivational speaker on behalf of mental health, and an ambassador for LAPS, life after professional sport. Who are you? Um, I'm all those things, but ultimately, I'm a dad. My kids are my world. They are my life. They give me purpose and strength to get up each day and try again. So ultimately, my love is my children, and uh, I try and do everything um, to not only give them a chance, but make sure that with all the mistakes and choices wrong or right that I have have made in my life I like to try and educate my children and and show them that you know what over everything and you know things happen in life and the way they do I'll always be like there for them and they can go on into their own lives knowing that they've had that foundation built with some of the mistakes I've made and some positive fantastic memories that I've made also I'm wondering whether your determination to be a damn good dad is about your own childhood and the difficulties you had growing up were not the ideal start to life that you would have wanted. Let's take Mm. you back to those early recollections growing up in the pub with your mum and dad. Dad's a professional boxer. What was going wrong then for you? It was good times in there and there was bad times in there. And one of the things that I experienced was my mum and dad breaking up um, at a time that psychologically damaged me at a young age. You were nine, ten years old when that happened? What did it do to you? I mean, what does it do to most? Um, My mum and dad splitting up wasn't, you know, you don't want to see your mum and dad split up. So there was a, um, I guess, a sort of cry out for help in not knowing what to do and not knowing where to go. And it did make me uh, insecure, made me vulnerable. Were you frightened by the rows that were were going on inside the pub? Uh, frightened to the point of, like, my mum and dad are going a completely different way. And, they were, uh, you know, I didn't see the love at the time of what adults go through. As a child, you, you don't 
you don't know what goes on behind closed doors until you become an adult yourself and realize that these things do happen in life. I'm going to let the listeners in on a secret. You're wearing a black T-shirt, mm. and the photograph on the front of the black T-shirt is Mike Tyson. What did you like about him? He was ferocious. He was destructible. He was just very, uh, at a time when I was at those ages, those tender ages, I mean, I used to watch watch him and wake up at stupid hours in the morning just to watch Mike Tyson knock someone out in round one or two or whatever it was. So he had that entertaining factor and um, really appreciated the presence that he had as a fighter. So he, he, he was a bit of a role model for you? A role model boxing terms, yeah, mm. for sure. But I had many uh, role models for different elements of, of, of life, I guess. Muhammad Ali was another person that I admired and listened to when he spoke and just the way he was with his flamboyant self. You see, when we talked on the phone the other day, you talked mm. about being about 14 years old and you talked about yourself being a very sensitive kid. Mm. Uh, and at the same time, you have this fantastic interest in boxing, which, of course, is uh, very much stitched into the DNA of your family. That's right. How does a sensitive kid end up boxing in the ring? Life experiences, I think. Um, I went through a, a phase of being bullied. At the time, my mum and dad were going through it at the pub in Streatham. I was getting bullied by a group of of boys quite a lot was it racially aggravated no it was my own culture it was it was, it was my own culture it was it was that's that was the saddest thing for me so um what was what were they bullying you about i was handsome i don't know it's just many things the kids the thing is with kids they can be quite um shallow in 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 their approach to so many things and they they're all they all come from different backgrounds and a lot of them are psychologically messed up. So it's just jealousy. I'm from a boxing family, famous at the time. I did get a lot of attention via girls. Just jealousy. That's all I can really put it down to. I just think there's a lot of jealousy involved with with uh, society. And, and uh, I think a lot of kids of today are not brought up properly. And I think it really does stem from the whole what's going on behind closed doors, what's going on with, mm. with those families, what's going on with the parents and how you're actually bringing up your child. That's why we're seeing a lot of stabbings today. A lot of us are getting it wrong. I just, it just, it's not, things are different nowadays, you know. Kids just being a little bit lost, really, to be honest. And um, you think a lot of the parents, not all, I think a lot of the parents, I think can do a lot better. Um because a lot of these kids, if you ask them where their, their mum and dad is, they probably can't even tell you. So, And that's why being a dad is so important to you. I think I've not always been the best dad um, because of circumstances of, you know, sometimes a relationship doesn't work out and you have to, to move on to another and, and so forth. But I've always... Um, had it in my head, like, you know, if I've, if I've um, brought my child into this world then they need to uh, know that I love them and um, I'm here for them. And, and although I might not get it right all the time, if you ask all my children, they know that they are truly loved. Let me take you back to being a 14-year-old young man. And mm. you talked about a catastrophic breakup with a girlfriend at that time that really, really upset you. Right. What was going on for you then? Just a normal young heartbreak um, that you experience when you're younger. Have you ever had a an experienced heartbreak? Many times. There you go, Gary. So, but it's not about what happens to us, mm -hmm. because those things can't. We can't sometimes escape what happens to us, Leon. It's how we deal with those situations. And I guess my question, mm -hmm. psychologically, is how did you deal or didn't deal with that particular breakup of that relationship? I probably had a couple of weeks of of of, of some tears. Lock myself away a little bit, trying to deal with it myself. And then it gets to a stage where my dad walked into the room one one morning and said, look, you got a choice to make. Either you're going to completely fold and basically ruin your, your life and your true potential of, of being anything, or you're going to get up and, and, and fix, you know, fix this. Um, and I, you know what, that, that, that talk 
really kicked in for me because it showed my fighting spirit back then at an early age. And I got up and I um, I, 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 I probably played some of the best football as a youth team player in my Crystal Palace days mm. because it was a release. You see, I'm, I'm just honing in on this area of your life because I'm just trying to work out where the start of your realisation comes from that depression is part of your life. Um, probably from, from young, just from, 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 I would say, uh, being bullied for a bit, not really knowing how to cope or deal with that. Didn't understand why I was a bit of a crybaby at the time, as you probably would describe that now. Um, so yeah, just cried a lot as a kid, just, you know, happy but cried. So this stage of your life, you're, you're, you're a very promising young footballer mm. and you tell me that you have a flight into success. Your football career essentially makes you feel better about yourself. Is, is that right? Yeah, it gave me confidence, a deeper confidence for sure. You see, there's an interesting split, a sporting split, which I've never come across before with you, Liam, which I think is fascinating, mm. is you come from a boxing family. mm and yet you're, you, you become a professional footballer. And that, to me, is an obvious split. And yet it's the football which offsets some of the depression and anxiety when you're growing up. Mm. You see, the obvious thing is, why didn't you become a boxer then? Uh, we thought about it, but I made the choice to go down the football route because uh, just it was just a choice I made at the time um, that, felt fi- that felt fitted for me. As time goes on, I got to understand a little bit more about the industry. There's there's plus and there's negatives, and um, just educated myself a lot. You know, um, injuries, circumstances, life arts, life off the pitch is just important. And I think um, as a business, as a, and, and clubs and the industry, you know, if you're talking around football. You know, it's a little bit better today, but you know, back when I was playing, there weren't really that foundation of of that help. And if you was mentally breaking down, you would be seen as being weak and not fit to play. So, not easy for a sensitive kid to say that to their manager or coach or youth team coach. Correct. You see, what you describe is a rather brutal industry back in nineteen ninety five when you start playing professionally, even though you're doing very well. Maybe not so much when um, I had certain managers that understood me. So I think, really, manager-wise, I think Steve Coppel was the only, man- not only, but was one of the managers who um, knew my personality. So I, I believe a lot in man management, and he identified quite a lot with my personality, which is very important as a manager when you're dealing with players. And if you know your player, you'll get the best out of him. And, and that's another psychological element that was very important in, in football. You're listening to On The Sporting Couch with me, Gary Bloom. My guest in the studio is former boxer and footballer Liam McKenzie. If you're finding life tough, Samaritans are there to listen. Call 24-7 free on the 116-123 or visit samaritans.org What makes you that little bit different, Leon? I go on to have an 18-year career and play in all divisions and score in every division. So I guess not many at my age can probably say that they go on to do that. That's what makes me different. Because, there's a again, there's a consistency that I have with the way I've prepared and the way I've always trained my mind to be the best that I can be. You see, if, if depression was the illness mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. was football a medicine? I think football was a a focus on putting my energy into something that would not only greater my life, but maybe not think about so much of the, like you say, depression aspects of things it's only when things start going wrong in my career then you realize more so about depression and the way it fits into your life 
You have a major knee injury age 21. Was that the first time that you felt under psychological pressure as a footballer? Yeah. What was that like? You, at young age, all you want to do is play football. Um, I was a young, promising kid who scored on his debut and everything was going great. And then you get this run bad injury and then you're in a different position now. Because at the end of the day, it is all a business. So if I, you know, this is a 21 year old kid who's now got to have a whole season who doesn't really train with the team anymore, day in, day out can only train once a week and play on a Saturday for a whole season. It's quite demoralising. You try and fit in with the, the, the lads and you try and fit in with everyone, but you're not. it's not the same. I'm interested what's going on for you psychologically, Leon, when you're trying to recover from this knee injury. Did the depression return? Well, yeah, there's a few things that happened thereafter. Um, more so... When I left Crystal Palace, um, went to Peterborough and done really well. And, um, you know, I would say, uh, yeah, just just went through it, just went through certain things. I was very close calling my sis, um, but my sister took her life age 23. I was 24 at the time. Yeah, just um, didn't, really, didn't really deal with that properly, kind of just bottled that up. And I think football was an outlet for me. At that particular time, didn't really speak about it. Didn't really just dealt with it how I dealt with it, and and you sort of um, you jog on sort of thing. So things happen, yeah. Just because of that knee injury, my biomechanics were all over the place, and and then we just you know it was it was on and off, on and off for uh, injuries just all the time, just injured, coming back, injured, coming back, injured. It was that was the pattern of of football for me so I had some fantastic memories I mean when I played I played when I scored goals I scored goals like there was some great memories but I never really was able to show my true potential because I was never fit enough let's go back to the the death of your sister it's it's hard in itself of I like to remember what she was about I don't want to remember what what she did and the reasons why she did it. So I won't talk about that mm-hmm. in out of respect for her. But everything that I'm doing now um is a um is I'm being a voice. I'm 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 trying to be positive in the respect of, you know, those issues were, were around it because this is you know, this is someone I had a conversation with the night before that happened and, and she was talking about identity um and you know, not fitting in with her white friends, not fitting in with her black friends, and I didn't really understand that conversation. At the, at, you know, I just thought, oh, this is just something. You just a little phase you're going through. So then, to wake up the next day to get a call to say she's not here anymore, it made me feel a little bit like that's like, you know, that's when you hear that. This isn't about what happened to your sister. This is about your emotional landscape around it. And Correct. this is this is thousands and thousands of people listening to this radio show, mm. Leon, who will have been in the position you are in. A loved one has taken their own life. Yeah. And I'm trying to work out what happened to you and how you overcome all the negative feelings and difficult feelings that must have been around you trying to get over it. I just bottled it up. Just, again, football was in my life, so I was able to focus and channel my energy into that and I had had, you know kids at the time Uh, my son came into my life at 18 just turning 19 years old so um, I had purpose to hold on do you think you've do you think about your sister a lot today always in my life she she walks with me and you know with everything I'm doing now I believe that she's her spirit's here with me yeah for sure what would she be saying to you right now I love you and keep doing what you're doing do you think she'd be very very proud of you with your campaigning on mental health for sure that's why you know I've got my own website and and you know mind reposition and I, I, all that that you see on there is, is is from the heart but also structured to make a difference in 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 the world that we are sort of struggling to come to terms with, with the things that we battle with within society and mental health is a massive topic and I'm just trying to be a voice to change certain things and the way people think with certain things. 
Do you think your campaigning on mental health issues, Lynn, are, are fueled or driven by what's happened to your sister? It's not just to my sister. I've lost my uncle to suicide. I've, I've lost many people to suicide. So it's not, it's not fundamentally just down to one person. But what happens is going through my own experiences and trying to take my own life at a time where I've just completely lost the plot. Um, then you re- then you kind of realise and start to understand that, you know what, like, this is it's deeper rooted. It's, uh, it's about many things. But um, I speak all over the UK because I believe that there is a, you know, there is hope. There is there is ways of, of, of fighting whatever it is you're going through. If it's on the basis of depression, I've never took medication for my for my depression. So, you know, people will agree with it or some people won't. But I've done it the way I've done it and it's helped. And that's how I've done it. I know this is a difficult area and you didn't really want to talk about it when we spoke on the phone last week. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some idea of the background and the lead up to your own attempt on your own life and what happened? I'll break it down and and simplify it without going into it too too much because I believe that it's about what I'm doing now that is the true indication of what really holds the value, not so much about when I was in that place. But when I was in that place, I was just um, emotionally lost within my own thoughts. I lost the I- identity, um, stopped believing in me and... My football career was coming to an end, and I didn't know how to cope with certain things that were happening in my life. Um, I uh, just wasn't doing well with life. I don't have all the answers to why and what is around it, but yes, I did try to take my life um, many years ago for my own reasons and my own journey. And off the back of that, Ever since I tried to do that, um, although I have still till this day some bad days, I do everything in my power to to make a choice to to keep trying. And um, you know, there's loads of reasons behind why I I did and why I I gave up on life. Can you give me some of those reasons? I just said like it, the the reasons are you know I have my own journey, um, whether it's losing loved ones, whether it's um, missing my children, whether it's football career coming into it, you know, coming to an end. Um, for my own journey, those are the, those are the things that meant a lot to me. So, I struggled with the coping with things coming to an end. One of the biggest things reading your autobiography, Leon, is the match between Coventry and Birmingham, which is your last real game, and you get a major injury or you break down, and then there's a realization that this is it, the career's over. And you talk about that being a major contributor to your depression and ultimate attempt on your life. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... What were you feeling at the end of that game when you, when you were in the dressing room? Well, I mean, like, I'm, I can't remember the age. I was past 30 years old, I know that much. But the problem with that was, and what put me in a vulnerable position was that I was about to sign a new contract with Coventry um, or at least another year anyway and I ruptured my Achilles in this uh, match in this match and like our football is and the dynamics of everything it, it didn't work out for me um, I'd ruptured my Achilles therefore I was no use to the club who were looking after it at the time because it is a fantastic club by the way but unfortunately political and owners and whoever was in charge at the time it's all a business, so when you're no, you know, I was no use to them, really anymore. Um, so they took that contract away, and then I ended up um, trying to get back fit. The pressures of trying to get back fit again, the pressures of trying to feed my family again, the pressures of just trying to get back fit to, to play, um, became a little bit daunting, and I ended up at Charlton, my last big club, and didn't work out I could I could not could not string a two three games together I just couldn't get fit my body wouldn't allow it to my body was breaking down and I didn't cope and um that's why the issues that then were more apparent you see I'm just picking up the the phrase I'm no use anymore 
which is a very powerful phrase, Leon, for anybody who is contemplating suicide to deal with. And I just wonder whether that is the trigger that took you down that path. I'm no use anymore to anybody. I'm no use to a football club. I'm no use to my wife or my kids or my parents or my friends. Yeah, I just I was just so unhappy at the time. I just I was just so unhappy. Then if you've if you've ever had a period where you're so unhappy, and when it's like that, sometimes I say you feel like I felt I was no use. I didn't want to keep um, feeling this so unhappy. I felt at the time, you know my family that would be better off without me because I'm so unhappy. Looking back, can you see it was a kind of illness, a kind of disease that your mind was not thinking its way logically through this process? Sure. Sure, I understand that now with, you know, the education I've, I've, I've given myself. But at the time, you just think that you're just failing in life and there's no sort of way out. And that's why it's so important to to speak the way I do today because I know that if you hold on, you can find a way. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is On The Sporting Couch on TalkSport. My guest is Leon McKenzie, former boxer and footballer. When life is tough, Samaritans are there to listen. Call them 24-7 on 116123 or visit samaritans.org. I went into training the next day at Charlton Athletic like nothing could happen. And I think behind closed doors, people found out. I think behind closed doors, people knew what had happened so again they, they they chose to not say nothing well i'm shocked that you didn't seek out the help that you needed and i'm shocked that the clubs did not recognize they had a player of your value and and reputation on their books who was clearly clearly going through a tough time i think you can you can clearly identify that if a player is constantly getting injured and is showing signs of desperation when you see that player day in, day out. I would notice, oh, I would go and make sure if I was a coach or in that in that position as a manager now to make sure I'm keeping an eye on everything. And that's the work I do at a football club as a psychotherapist. I'm there to pick up those early warning signals mm. with players, coaching staff and members of staff around that football club so it doesn't get to the point that you got to. That's, you know, all credit to you then. And that's what I think every club should have. But not many clubs will allow that to happen. There is too much fear in football clubs today, Leon. Because and you know, much, you know that. Because there's too much money involved. That's it. Money is power. Uh, and that becomes, that, that becomes before health, unfortunately. When you're talking about business, you're talking about money, there's, uh, unfortunate, there's some unfortunate circumstances that come with that. Let's move on from here. Yep. Your football career comes to an end and then you pick up the sport, to quote you, that is in your blood. Yep. Tell us about how you became a boxer. 
35 years old, going through my second divorce and uh, pretty much lost everything again. All over again, just kind of just, oh my God, like what's going on? I was only playing premiership three years ago, obviously came out of prison. Um, just, you know, just, just starting again. I had to how, how did you end up re- in prison? Reshape, reshape and start my career. I ended up in prison because, again, wrong choices, wrong people around me and, you know, didn't make the right choices. It's as simple as that. I broke the law and they saw it, they saw it fit enough to me for me to go into an ACAT category prison for giving someone my speeding points. That's that's the reality of that. What was it like being in prison? Because I, I'd imagine prison is rife with people with depression and anxiety. Yeah, so they I was I was uh they already had history of, of, of uh my um suicide attempt my depression history they already had they already had that on their records um but i had to find a way i had to find a way um as much as i could have gave up you know within those four walls i you know again the first time that the uh, officer shut the cell door you know i burst into tears um literally just my life just flashed past me and it was like, you know what? Okay, let me wipe these tears. Uh, within a few hours later, I spoke to one of the uh, the screws or officers, should I say, and um, said, "Can I get a job? Got myself a job. Got myself into a routine. Tried to be productive as I could. Tried to stay out of trouble while I was in. Done my time. Kept my head down. Um, I needed a routine. Um, started writing my autobiography in there." I started writing down notes, day-to-day diaries, starting interviewing people in there, interviewing cellmates, interviewing security guards or whatever. And I, I, I made that as a... That was my time in there. That's what I generally done and kept fit. You didn't have any thoughts of suicide whilst you were in prison? No, because I I just was in it. I was just, no, I have to fight back. Didn't want to let the system break me at all never been in trouble in my life but they saw it was uh ideal for them to put me in an ACAP prison so I thought you know what no there's a flash of anger there if you don't mind me saying so Leon I can see that you should not have been in an ACAP prison no I think I think uh I'm not angry anymore and there's no there's no flashes of anger I think it's more of um identifying how the system is let's be perfectly honest I went in for giving someone my speeding points. You know, I was inside with paedophiles, murderers and, and rapists and, 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 and everything that comes with it for, let's be honest, driving offences. But the way it was done is the way it was done. I took it on the chin and done what I had to do. and That was it. Like, there's no anger from me because if there was, I wouldn't have been able to channel that in the right areas. I wouldn't be sitting here with you today being able to talk about my boxing career and and what I do now for mental health. Let's go back to your boxing career. Yep. What was it like when you got in the ring for the first time and had your first uh, competitive it fight? It was uh, it was extraordinary because that year was that year was a challenging year. It was a year again of of, of desperation and fight back, and I had to find a way to fight back again. I had a conversation with my dad and I said, Dad, listen, you know what I'm. F- I'm feeling a bit vulnerable again. I need to um, hold on to life. I can't give up on life again, Dad. I can't, and I need to fight back. I want to jump in the ring. And he looked at me, and he he he, he gave me them puppy eyes that he has, and um, smiled and said, "Let's do it, champ." And then that that was it. I never sort of looked back. I tra- I was training with my uncle Duke for a bit, and then um, yeah, my dad sort of took over properly, and. Um, yeah, twenty thirteen June. Um, yeah, made my made my professional debut. So not only do you have Duke, your uncle, as a champion boxer, you have your dad Clinton as well. Who was the more significant in your boxing career in terms of advice and guidance? Um, no, I mean my dad was my dad's my best friend. So you know my dad's a former British European champion, and my uncle Duke was a former three time world champion. So 
they both had significance in my life and influential parts in my life, both of them. Um, but my dad took over. My dad just uh, spiritually got it. He knew, you know, he saw the eye of a tiger in my eyes and, and he wanted to succeed with me. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to let me go alone. Um, so he fought with me. What was the success of boxing like compared to the success of football? Um, the success of, of football was knowing that I scored some goals against some fantastic players in the world and I scored against some of the best teams in, in the world. Um, having achieved that was great because um, um, you know, this is a kid from Fulton Heath, South London, who was kicking tennis balls in, in, in the road with his mates and just playing in park, wishing to... Uh, Achieve being a professional footballer, let alone actually playing in all leagues and scoring in all leagues. So, uh, you know, and 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 with the injuries and everything that I had, to actually have an eighteen-year career with half that probably time being injured was was uh, you know I thank God for for that. Um, boxing is a lonely sport, but you find out a lot about yourself, and I found out a lot about me. And I, I, I knew I had a fight in me. I knew I had that fighting spirit, but I definitely confirmed that in my last fight. This is On The Sporting Couch on Talk Sport. My guest in the studio is Leon McKenzie. After the break, Leon will be talking more about his life and his battle with depression. Happier in the ring or happier on the pitch? They both had moments. I think I was happier in the ring because it was kind of more comforting knowing that I'm not going to pull a hamstring. <laughs> I'm not going to pull my fire or something like that. It was different to biomechanics. So I was happier in that respect. I was happy with everything that I gave to boxing. And, and I got that, my respect from my my boxing family. And I got that respect within the sport when I left and retired the next day from it. And I, I was happy to retire because I'd give her my all. You see, what you said to me when we spoke on the phone last week is, to quote you, a massive love for boxing mm. you don't talk about a massive love for football because it was psychologically damaging for me football I, I suffered too many injuries that psychologically damaged me and I wasn't comforted enough to get through that at those times so all the injuries you got to understand imagine like you constantly uh, love doing something for so many years and you've done it for so many years and you constantly keep getting hurt and you keep coming back and you get hurt again and you keep coming back and you get hurt again. That was constant. So after a while, that becomes quite draining and hard to accept. So I think that's why I probably don't feel that love is what you're probably explaining. My, my curiosity here is that, you know, to go into a boxing ring risks damage, permanent damage. You right. could have easily hurt yourself in a different way. Being a boxer, it's in my life. I've been watched. I've been in the game from seven years old. Is that because it's in the family? Therefore, there's a massive. I don't know. Life. It's in my blood. I've been in it since seven what, years old. Before. What football. do you mean it's in your blood? Explain to me what you mean by it's in your blood. Well, my dad is a former British European champion. Well, it's in your family. No, that's that's blood related. That's bloodline. So, having observed and watched day in day out how they've become champions. I trained my mind to do certain things as a boxer would do even before football. And that's why I'm saying about preparation. I was already training like a fighter many years when I was young. Well, I'm going to make a, a leap of, of, of faith here, Liam. And I'm suggesting perhaps that you were a boxer mm. playing football during your football career. You, you know what? I, w I wouldn't argue with that. But it's very hard to kind of go with that because I had 18 years 
at very good levels in professional football. Maybe it's that is the reason you did have 18 years at a professional level, because yeah. you were a boxer playing football. Yeah, because I had a, I had a certain fight in me, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't think many boxers like they are today could really score goals like I could. Oh, Sorry. you could score goals for fun. Don't think, don't think many could do it. And my dad always says, like, I couldn't be a footballer, a professional footballer at 35 years old. So as we draw towards the end of our conversation together, yeah. what is it like to discover, working with somebody like me or talking with somebody like me, that I've actually maybe drawn out from you, Leon, the fact that you were not really a footballer, you were a boxer playing football? I think if to reply to that, I, I just I just respect your your knowledge. I respect your opinion of the pressure profession that you're in. Yeah, I, I respect that, and and humbled by your thought process um, well, overall over my two careers and what you identify. Well, I, it's not an opinion. I tell you why it's not an opinion. Opinion is not something I've just come off the top of my head. An opinion plus a fact is analysis. And I'm analysing your career, mm. Leon. Mm. And when I analyse your career, and you've got a slight smile on your face mm. right now, I don't see a footballer. I see a boxer playing football. Somebody who's so determined, so absolutely driven, who mm. wants to train alone, away from the madding crowd, but is so mm. determined to succeed. You know what? I'm a very stubborn person. I have very, I have a lot of pride, but I, I will actually agree with you on this. I will, <laughs> I will agree with you, because in my heart, I've always, um, I've always had like boxing in my heart. I loved football, but no one's ever really put it to me how you've just put it. So yeah, well done, going. <laughs> it's not about getting it right or wrong. Well it's done. actually trying to trying to work out your psyche your psychological background and the fact mm. that you've had to overcome incredible odds to get to where you are today sitting mm. in this studio. Oh, thank you. In my profession, we often joke that if we could bottle or put into a bottle what happens to your brain when you're exercising, none of us would ever have to work again. We'd be all retired and sitting on a beach sipping a pina colada. Tell me what the effect of training and physical exercise has had on your mental health it's been it's been the key thing for me um not only giving me a purpose to be healthy but mentally i don't think we realize how much fitness plays a massive massive part in in healing in um consistency um if you do break down, there's something to to hold on to, but to to fight back, it's a way of fighting back. When you feel that sweat coming down your face, and you know your heart rate up, and all these things that challenge you to uh, put your mind into a different area, um, I think fitness is a, a key element for anyone that's struggling with uh, mental health issues. And as a man now of maturing years. Is it harder and harder to have that physical exercise now as opposed to when you were a professional athlete? Oh, for sure. Um, I don't recover as quick as I used to. But um, I'm sure you don't recover as quick as you used to. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well spotted. So so I think there's... Um, you, you have to kind of be real to yourself and understand that, you know... Time changes everything, and you might not be able to do what you did when you were 20 years old, obviously. But I can still do things, but maybe not with a greater Intensity. Uh, demand on, on my body to the way I used to do things. But I can definitely do things to make my mind the best it can be. Suppose we were to meet again in three or four years' time. What would you have hoped to have achieved going forward from today um well, i have a documentary that is um likely to be developed hopefully by the end of this year called 10 count um called, i believe called again 10 count okay i said a boxing count to 10 yeah it's, it's like over 10 months because um, that was my last fight um and i believe that with this 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 particular film 
and uh, me having interviewed the people that have been influential in it, it will change a lot of lives um, and give a great detail, insight, detail in, and insight into mental health and, and not just in sport, but just, you know, within society. Um, but the high pressures of, of, of in sport and why sportsmen are so susceptible to maybe maybe breakdowns. Um and it's like my story, but the, you know, as the foundation, and then I incorporate mental health awareness into this documentary. That will lead me to go in to continue to speak all over the UK, and hopefully my agent Matt can uh, get me out of the UK, <laughs> and um, we can start going internationally. I I have a greater purpose to help charities like Samaritans, um, Calm, who I'm an ambassador for as well. Um, because I believe, you know what, when you when you're giving um, in life, um, I I really truly believe that there's a a greater purpose and and legacy that you leave when when you know your time's up. And I I want to leave that legacy, and I want people to hold on to enjoying the rest of their years of of what they have in their life. Leon, it's been a privilege sitting down with you. Many thanks Thank for joining you. me. Thank you for inviting me on on the Sporting Couch. Thanks. When Leon McKenzie visited TalkSport, along with recording this episode of On the Sporting Couch, he joined me on the Jim White Show live to discuss further his battle with mental health. As you'll hear, Leon's story prompted Mark to contact the programme to ask for help in one of the most important phone calls the radio station has ever had. Uh, six years ago, my wife committed suicide, sir. Yeah, uh, sorry to hear that. I used to be the bubbliest bloke about, yeah? Mm. Laugh, joke, I've lost it. Lost my mojo, lost everything, yeah? Yeah. Still really, really low, as you can probably tell from his voice talking to you. Sure. Don't know which way to turn some days. Uh, hey, what do you do, Mike? What, what, what do you do day to day? I'm a courier, you know what I mean? Okay. I used to love football. I love football, yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. You know, absolutely. I mean, I've run an under-21s team. So you've got a passion there. Football's a is a, is a passion, yeah. yeah. So my yeah. my my advice, right? And this, is, you know, for you and anyone that's listening, when I'm when I went through what you're going through now, and I didn't really, I couldn't really find the way out, and I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, family didn't really know to sp- who to speak to. I it actually got worse for me after all, like my football career, and you know, a few things happened in in life. Um, and I had to re- I had to really get myself together and start all over again. Whether that being going through like my second uh, divorce and so forth, I had to really make a choice and and literally fight back um, to purposely fight back in life. And that's why I did jump into a professional boxing ring. Now I'm not saying you can go and jump into a professional boxing ring, but what I will say is is that you can find your, you can find a purpose. Just to, you know, to try and get up every day. Because I can hear the desperation in your voice. But you have to fight it, my friend. Because it's very... Um, we, you, you've got a fight in you because I can hear it in your voice. And when, 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 when I hear that, you're showing me a desperation where you're trying to hold on. Even to make this call is commendable and brave of you to even make this call. Fitness is my first go-to. Um, I try and keep myself in, in shape when I'm not feeling so great. Um, when I don't have days where maybe not so productive, I'll go for a run. I'll go and do something where I feel a little bit better within myself. There's so many areas where you can definitely improve how you feel mentally, and um, I hope that you uh, hold on for me and um, we, 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 you know, we, we get this sorted out. But Leon, what? don't you get days? Didn't you get days where you just feel to yourself? Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. You know, what's the point of waking up? You know. Yeah. Well. I'm, you know, it's don't get me wrong. I've, I've I've held this in for a really long time with some of my mates. Yeah, I've tried to put on a big brave face. I, I'm struggling now. You know, I am struggling. I hear you, but do you know what? You honestly, just this call now, this call now that you've made is such a big deal with your healing process now. Do you see what I'm saying? Do, yeah, do I? I, I, I listen. I still have bad days. But there's a point where we got to make that choice, my friend. We have to make that choice to fight back. We have to. 
you have purpose. You are valuable. So you have to, you have to keep fighting it. Because I'm, I'm telling you, the days will soon be better days to come. Ultimately, I'll just go and do something where I, I, I'll make myself feel better. Um, or if I help someone else, um, like now, I feel like if I'm helping you, you know, my day has a purpose. You can pass what you're doing on to, to other people. You can talk about your, your own, um, you know, issues and, and everything that's going on. I think find something within yourself, within your life. You said you mentioned football. You know, try and find something where yeah. you can put a smile on your yeah. face. Leon's kept his word and kept in touch with Mark and they've now met face to face. Remember, if you're finding life tough, Samaritans is there to listen. Call 24-7 free on 116-123 or visit samaritans.org. Please feel free to contact me through Twitter at Bloomers57 and you can listen to previous editions of this programme on Acast. Google Acast on the Sporting Couch. I'm Gary Bloom, a sports psychotherapist, and please remember there's no such thing as good health without good mental health. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.